I've kind of decided to do a bunch, like three or four today, uh, that are kind of all in this same vein of like, um, uh, I personally don't resist the the use of swear words. Uh, I like slang. I like, uh, I like notes to things that are happening today and like the idea that there's going to be a chip in my brain someday. So like there's... It's not your like romanticism kind of poetry, but I really dig it. And I think like future generations might get a kick out of it the way we we get a kick of like iambic pentameter. Basically, I would say that uh, I love all kinds of writing. Anything where I get to be creative with words, um, like I'll run, I'll write copy for businesses. I mean it. Like, <laughs> um, like even within like poetry, like if you give me a format, I love that. And then also, if you just tell me like it's got to be stream of consciousness, like I think there's merit in all those different types of poetry. Um, I would say my biggest goal as a writer is to get to a point where I have edited enough of my work that it actually influences my stream of consciousness to be closer to what I want it to be when it's edited. So like I'm constantly trying to work towards getting my stream of consciousness to be better. This one's called The Existential Crisis of a Morning Glory. Um, it's uh, kind of what we had talked about earlier. This is a stream of consciousness poem, meaning that maybe there are two or three deleted words, but there's nothing added to it. Um, I would say, like, there's a limit to what you can call stream of consciousness um, if you start, like, adding and subtracting too much. But uh, a, a deleted, like, two or four or preposition or something like that, um, I'm still chill with. Uh, uh, okay, I'm just going to go into it. Well, that's it, I guess. I've used up my lifeblood at the ripe age of 30, pissing naked into a clean toilet while a rotary fan with no cage directs my stream from behind. That's it as I aim for the white porcelain instead of the water so as not to wake myself with the sound. That's it. I'll sleep again tonight and wake tomorrow and then the next, forgetting what the day was worth when I was a child. But shit, shouldn't I rage into the abyss like I was told? Shouldn't I coddle my nuts right now, squeeze just a little too hard because a logical person would never? But shit. Shouldn't I fuck the road less traveled until cold dew upon my dick frosts over in the late fall leaf-peeping point of my life? Fuck this. For all the time I've spent becoming an adult, for the hours laboring on right and wrong and saving and washing dishes, for the times I wiped my ass one times too many just to make sure, I'll run naked tomorrow. Not really. But metaphorically, because I'm a coward. I'll wipe the mildew of complacency off my medulla oblongata just to see what kind of recluse I'd be. I. I. I think, therefore, I am just another flower dehydrating in the August sun. I think, therefore, I forget the tight curl, 
The dense purple spiraled to a tip before the bloom. I curl in my mother's womb, saddened at my eventual death. My body heaved within a box before a name. My body burned till the fire is out. My body limp like the dick still glistening with coconut oil as the chip in my head says, this virtual gangbang was sponsored by Pepsi. You like Pepsi, you're thirsty, drink Pepsi. My body won't know that there are two more ads before Brittany will be back with her busty friends. But for now, enjoy this ad by Virtue Feel. Are you sick and tired of the life you've lived? Why recall your own shitty memories when you could experience the happy ones someone else had for the low, low price of $5.99? If I was still alive, I wouldn't pay six. For six, I'd make my own damn orgasmic post-sorrow filled with the joy once had memories. I'd take the penny I refused to spend and throw it right into this pristinely clean toilet bowl and make a wish. I'd wish for love and for a stream this virile and perpetual till my memories become shared with the abyss, swallowed in spiraling fashion by the gullet of space and time. For now, though, I'll climb back in bed, forgetting this life until the morning. This next one's called Earth Tones. Uh, I want to preface this by saying that I spent about two years of my life dealing with pretty intense back issues and ultimately it led to a back surgery um, in which I went from ultimately not being able to walk to having to like re uh, refigure out my life and like where I was going to get happiness from it and what I was going to be able to do. And like, this is the best that I could come up with, with like dealing with my pain and how to talk to other people about it. Um, Again, this one's called Earth Tones. And I'll be uh, I'll be light on the mic because uh, there's usually some higher vocal tones and I'll see if I can adjust that for this reading. Yeah. Pain. P-A-I-N. I might as well tell you I had tuna for lunch. Like, who gives a fuck? Maybe you do. Maybe you imagine what it would be like if you had pain. Maybe you remember that time you stubbed your toe, I don't know, but maybe that's what you think. When I explain why I haven't done that thing I used to do with you, you look down at the split skin on your bare callous big toe, half shaded by the grass now stained a bit red, and there's throbbing. Oh, I wonder if he feels throbbing. I didn't like throbbing. I know what you're going through, you'll say. I stubbed my toe once, and fuck. Maybe you're right pain it's mine or i'm aware of it it's part of my existence constant dull like a cat that kneads at your belly when you wake or rubs against your calf to let you know it's there i know this cat ain't going away and at some point i'd like to stand up and continue my life hop out of bed and forget that you exist for a while it's a part of my mind like a cloud you see coming beyond the horizon before your morning run. The wind is already starting to pick up, the sun's split in two, and you know if you go this path you're getting rained on. Sometimes those droplets hit too hard. You become the droplets. You're no longer your body, your feet, your heart, your mind. Well, you are these things, but with raindrops, right? And it'll just keep raining, sometimes it's slow like soft mist, like a lace curtain brushing against you as you stand before that open window checking the weather outside. 
Sometimes you rest your hand on that window sill. In the cold front, that rain that hasn't yet reached your town shrinks that window's wood and releases it from the place where it once naturally stuck, and all at once it falls and smack. I bet you know what your fingers feel like now. I bet you know that you have bones in those fingers now. I bet you know the weight of that window now. And I bet you have hope. This won't last forever, right? It couldn't. Right? Like it couldn't. But when is the pain gone? What level of feeling represents a lack of pain? What level of feeling is just, well, these are my hands. Here's the thing. I know my back. Like, really. I know the vertebrae. I know the muscles that cling between these burger buns, and I sure as fuck know the burger that slid out the back as I tried to take that final bite. I know what a cat cow is now. I know that I'm not right, but I don't know what right is. I have honestly forgotten. Like, why are the buns so fucking slippery with all that mustard, and why on earth is there an electrical trigger wire in the back of the fucking burger wrapper? Just fucking stop. I don't want to know you. I want ice, the perfect amount. I want a cherry Pepsi and some ice, the perfect amount. Trigger wire. I want the glass filled seven-eighths of the way with crushed ice. I want the cherry Pepsi to be cold already. I want the glass to be tipped and the bottle to be tipped. I want the auburn and brown liquid trigger wire to be poured. And I want to watch as this nectar of the gods plays pachinko between the ice until it's just about filled the glass. Till the ice begs to be buoyant but isn't. I want to cry at just how perfect, how wonderful this sight is is to behold but fucking trigger wire trigger wire trigger wire fucking trigger wire i want to write a poem that's happy i want to believe that all things don't have a relationship with pain i want to believe that pain isn't just a gradient of feeling i want to be earth tones i want to be a seal surfacing a calm blue ocean i'll slide upon the ice with a fish in my mouth i'll take a bite and not be a fish for once Shit, I'll take a bite and not be the fish for once. This one's called I Get What. I've struggled kind of my whole life figuring out like what love was. And I grew up on Disney movies and and love stories and and you know commercials and anything that told you like what it was supposed to feel like. And um, I even convinced myself sometimes that I'd been in love or that like, that like, this is it. I think I just wanted it so bad that like in past relationships, I would just like say it if somebody wanted me to. <laughs> um, and this is, this is kind of how I felt about it last year. I get what? Words like beautiful, gorgeous, that's what I get to describe you? That seems like fucking bullshit. I get words to describe the way you're looking at me right now? That is fucking bullshit. I get to stare at you confused and accepted and with this buzzing going from one vertebrae to the next. I get words like love to describe this feeling? I don't need words like love. I don't need love. I have it. I have it. I don't need it, don't you see? You don't need to tell me. Just fucking stare. Keep your palm pressed to my chest as you attempt to keep me from biting your neck again, as you attempt to refute the words I won't even say because they're fucking bullshit. 
You push me away because you have me. You don't need me, don't you see? I lay on top of you with your knee in my stomach because I'm fucking wrecked by you. I was comfortable before I met you. I had a budget. One that told me I could spend $400 a month on food. I had a car that wanted to fucking blink that engine light whenever I drove. I had someone out in the world that wanted me for all the wrong reasons. I had a vertebrae ready to pop from all the goddamn activities I loved and consumed myself with because you didn't exist yet. Well, you did. But that didn't mean shit to me yet. You were a thought. I thought that this love that did not exist, this thought of what it could be, would always be better, more romantic than whatever people considered the real thing. Well, fuck me, huh? Fuck me and that thought. Fuck me and my intelligence. That look I have when I have anything that comes close to a witty thought, it's bullshit, but I didn't know that until you showed up. With your smile and your stupid perfect hair attached to that stupid perfect face. I didn't even see your nose when I met you or your chin, for God's sakes. But I knew this person was about to make my whole life. And all these thoughts feel like some pretentious book on a shelf. They have no fucking words in them, you know. No words. Can you believe that I would hang my head, rest my books that have no words, no meaning of any kind upon a shelf for others to see? It's your fault is what I'm trying to say. Thank you, but fuck you. Thank you, because, like, shit, you know? It was Halloween every day, and I had my illusion all set up, and then you took off my mask, and the blood from my heart seeped from my heart and filled up this bag of flesh, my penis too, made it harder than it really should be, bigger than I had last seen it. You touched my skin, and it was real for the first time. I wish you'd take those fingernails of yours and puncture this skin so all this blood would have some place to go. I feel filled. Let me seep. Let me use this warmth, these chemicals that have me drunk. Pepe Le Pew can go fuck himself because I'll punt him into that river he stands by and take his role in the Looney Tunes set. My heart is literally beating out of my chest when you're around. Literally, like I even know the meaning of that word. Just rip it out already. Take a bite out of it, stare me down with that fucking stare I understand but could never explain and swallow while I watch. Don't give it back. Chew every last bite. I want to see this blood of mine drip from your mouth, down your chin, onto the cobblestone beneath our feet, and I want you to tell me to get on my hands and knees and lap it up. I will, you know. Because what else is left in this rational world for me? What, am I supposed to walk around with a heart still in my chest, uneaten by you? Are you fucking kidding? I can't. I mean, I will. But you know, you do know I'm naked, skinless, veinless. I have no body. I have no facade left for you. You see through it all. You've eaten every last sinuous fiber that is my being, and it felt so fucking good going down your throat, so good beneath your teeth. I'm air. Not even. Air can go fuck itself, too. I'm just yours. And fuck all else. Except a great latte. I still want those. This one's called Writing Till It's Good. I've been waiting for the bloom. To write, that is. An unfurling of petals that wafts a scent. A disclosure of what I felt as they fell. I'm impatient, though, and at the moment I lack passion. 
I don't want you to fall in love with me. At the moment, I'm not afraid. Joy is not flooding through my veins. At the moment, I'm not stoic or stoned or drunk. I'm tired. But like, we're all fucking tired, right? I want to write something great. Something with postcoital shivers and sweat and clarity. Something that pains me with a certain type of guilt. Something that flows, something new that combines symbols into words and makes the world and all around feel like somehow one. But all I've got is this. A bit more than conversation to fill the margins. Words that if spoken would crash upon an overpainted bathroom wall before bouncing back with even less distinction. You see, I don't know what to say. I don't want pain to be my muse at the moment, or love at the moment. I've written heartache poems and scribbled dreams that stretch shadows of abstractions cast from raking light. I've listened to the wind beckon as it passes by and worked and gripped and strained these hands to build such things outside of verse. But still, there's something to this want. I, I hope this hope is a precursor. A sign that if I keep on this misty fog of thoughts that turns to dew on sunrise grass, one day there will be growth, a moss maybe, a bed of morning glories beneath the forest upon which clouds are caught and cause the sudden pour to soften the soil, this soul of mine and yours, and if indeed that day does come, I'll know the drought and all the hope was in fact for this. And I'll store that feeling and I'll witness it really that with this bounty of presence I might bloom and read it to you clearly and you might say, wow, <laughs> I love that feeling too. You and I seem kindred now. But till that day does come, please listen to these words and nod. Remember all the times you two were at a loss and smile and pat me on the back and tell me this was good enough and that I should come back because every day is not our best. Every sentence is not bliss. Every thought that passes through can't be transcendent, can't make a bond between us, but I still love to write. So just be kind until it comes, and if it doesn't, be kind then too. I'm doing my best. I promise that's the truth. Like 99% of the time, I just always go back to what I initially gotcha. uh, initially planned on reading. Yeah, so sometimes you're, ch you're like following the vibe of the night a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, you've been there. Like there are some nights where like there's this rolling energy yes. that starts to build. Yeah, and everyone somehow is talking about the same thing. Like and, it's, yeah, it's odd, but. And like you just want to build off it. Yeah. And like I don't want to be a. If everyone's like happy, I'm not going to go in there and talk about pain, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I've definitely felt that on nights at the Merc for sure. Yeah. But then you said that you tend to go back to the one that you were going to read anyway? Typically. Typically, I'll tend to go back to the one. Um, it was just something a friend of mine that's actually been to the Merc with me told me. Uh, they were just like, uh, dude, which one did you come here wanting to read? Mm. Like... You've been looking forward to going to the Mercury for like four straight days. Mm -hmm. You've wanted to read this one thing, like just trust that it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes too the the one the poem that is different is nice. It's not not nice, that's not the right word, but it's like the, the audience it's like a breath, it's like a breath of different air, you know, the audience yeah. appreciates you coming in. 
maybe doing a really dark one when it's been kind of like happy. So yeah. everyone's like, oh, fuck it. It hits harder sometimes, you know? Like there's that kid that came in. Uh, he's coming a couple times. He's got like uh, like brunette slick back hair. And he almost does like this like weird comedy. Mm. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know his name. Yeah. But like uh, he was talking about like uh, trying to like why he wasn't a murderer uh, the last oh, time we were there. He Damn. was talking about why he didn't murder this dude that he could have easily been seen oh, as. Alexis. Alexis. I know who you're talking about. And yeah, like, that's such a good one. It's such a curveball to <laughs> any night. Like he goes up and I'm just like, dude, this kid's so like, I don't think he even understands how charismatic he is. Yeah. Yeah. He did one about, uh, this is your episode, so we're going to talk about your yeah, stuff. Yeah, dude, but, it's uh, all good. I love other, I mean, hell sincerely, yeah. I think one of the best things about going to readings is that like, like yeah, I like my voice. I spend a lot of time with. I spend a lot of time with my writing. I edit it until I think it's good, but like it's so sick that every single person has a different perspective yeah. on writing. Yeah, it's really hard to be jealous of another person. Totally, totally. He did this poem once where he was like at a party and he was just noticing that everybody was having a much more like genuine time than he was but then he ended up in a bathroom with like all the guys and they were all like <laughs> letting go of the the mask that they were wearing and yeah. he realized that everyone was just being fake and i was like oh damn it's that's really good and then yeah that one about not killing the guy it's great shout out alexis I don't yeah know shout name. out alexis i don't know your last name but i dig your shit hell yeah it's well, very genuine dennis welcome to the poets oh. we're gonna leave all that in but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for uh, being here oh it's my pleasure i got a lot to ask please um, Stream of consciousness. We were talking about it a little bit, yeah. Um, in between a couple of those, but I wonder if we can unpack it a little more. Why? Why do you think? Why are you drawn to stream of consciousness as a way of writing poetry? So, okay. So words are typically meant for communication, right? And most of us are going around all day long doing stream of consciousness, mm. and I, I like the idea that there could be a. Uh, a sincerity to what you're saying, even if at the time you're not, you don't have all the words you want. Mm. Like when you hear somebody say something, like there may be points in their conversation where you're like, I don't think you really chose the correct word there, mm. but you really kind of got across what you were trying to say. Yeah. Like, um, so like, I think there's a certain sincerity in stream of consciousness, but that doesn't mean like you don't have to work at it. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think all stream of consciousness is built the same. Like, um, for instance, when I started writing, I was, uh, 20 in college and I started taking, uh, uh, workshops and, mm. and studying poetry and we would always start with stream of consciousness and then break it up into like natural breaking points and then turn those into lines and then yeah. find the breaking points and turn those into stanzas. Like your very traditional way of like like trying to come about a poem the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and I just realized that it was like, oh, that's just my voice. And then I like, I break it up into lines and then I try and think, are those original thoughts? Is that, is that a cliche? And when I, when I say cliche, I don't necessarily mean like negatively. Sure. We all collect from each other. Yeah. Like you're gonna say something today and I'm gonna find it interesting and it's gonna like like store in here in my brain. Yeah. And then someday in a conversation it's gonna come out. Yes. And like 
I want to like, when I write, I want to like just analyze the stream of consciousness, go through it and be like, this felt genuine. I'm communicating an emotion, but that sentence or that word or that phrase didn't seem mine. Mm. And it's like a fun writing skill to get to go back to and be like, what did I mean? Mm. Like if I were to parse out, like what words would I use if I got to do it again? Yeah. And then do you make that change? Um, Sometimes, right? You edit them? So that's the thing. I've, I do edit stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare that, that it works out, that it, I just really like it and it feels mm. super genuine. There's those magic moments. Sure. You know, I'm sure rappers feel that way. Yeah. Um, but like, I've also spent 13 years, every stream of consciousness that I have going through it proofreading it, seeing if, seeing if I'm using cliche language, like developing a rhythm that I like, like, um, I I think your stream of consciousness can be a practiced skill. Mm. Like, I don't want to talk in iambic pentameter. I don't want to put you to sleep. I want like there to be this like wonderful flow of sentence lengths that like keep you intrigued. Okay. And like, at first, I think you need to practice that. And... So for like, I don't know, uh, years and years, I would just keep going through all of my stream of consciousness writing, editing it to make it feel more like me, more uh, fluent, more more lyrical sometimes, like always trying to do different stuff. But then just through the act of doing that, your voice changes and you inherently leave out things that aren't you Mm. more often. Like you, you mm. think about what the words you're gonna say, and like I, I think your voice becomes more genuine to you, and less. I think most writers do this. Like over time, they just kind of find their voice that's unique to them. Yeah. But I think a helping hand to that is just editing yeah. your stream of consciousness and like asking, is this actually me? Like, is this what I like? And that's hard because sometimes like the written word in front of you is so sacred Mm. and you're like, I don't want to change anything. Mm. This is, there's something perfect about this, but, um, I love changing. It's interesting. It's interesting that your thoughts kind of follow the, the words on paper, changing the words on paper eventually changes the way that you experience the thoughts as they come to you. That is really interesting. And I I just think it's like, you know, how many thoughts can you have in a millisecond? Right. Um, not a lot. N- not a lot, but like enough. Yeah. I, yeah. Like en- enough. Like there are yeah. options. And like there's a momentary choice to say like it's raining cats and dogs versus like, man, it's like it's raining like, like uh, I don't know, marbles on concrete. You mm. know, like there's a momentary. And if you do that enough times, Raining cats and dogs just kind of gets dismissed. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's kind of all I'm saying. So you're finding new ways, new ways yeah. and more unique ways, unique to you yeah. to say things. And, and well, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just saying like, I really like, I was inspired by my initial writing teacher to like embrace concrete language first mm-hmm. and then adapt, like adapt that with abstract language. Okay. So like, if you're trying to describe the rain, like really look at it. What are you seeing? Mm. Like, what are you seeing? Don't like, um, 
don't know. And, and then you can use the abstract like yeah. like and um, like and as and metaphor sure. and all that yeah. stuff. The fun stuff. But he was like, no, fall in love with the words that actually depict the thing you're looking at. Interesting. That could be a good writing exercise. Try and describe an object in as few words as possible. Yeah. It could be really hard. It, it is really hard, but then you fall in love with it the way you become obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Like I've spent eight hours editing a singular poem Damn. over the past two weeks. Damn. That's like, why. And is it finished or? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's, I think <laughs> yeah, it's finished, but like I've kept all of my copies and I've probably gone like... There's probably about 12 different versions of it. And within each of those 12 versions, there's usually somewhere between like 15 to 40 edits. Damn. Um, but the the idea is I'm always trying, I'm not always trying to do anything, but sometimes I'm trying to go for like economy of word. Mm -hmm. Like what am, what's the least amount of words that gets across what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. and sounds really nice. Yeah. 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 One of the... I don't know if you would call this concrete or abstract, but one of the lines that I pulled out, um, I believe it was earth tones. Yeah. Was after the window fell down on the person's hands. I bet, you know, I bet, you know, you have bones in those fingers now was the line that you said. Yeah. And that's such a good way of capturing pain and that just like instant, that just experience you're experiencing your body almost as like an object in that moment. Um, and I wondered if we could get a little more into into pain yeah, and how that inspired that poem and just your poetry in general. So as a backstory, there was a point in my life where I had a, uh, a bulging disc that was wrapping itself around a, uh, a nerve. Damn. So for about three weeks when uh, they were trying to get me into emergency surgery, I just experienced a near constant state of excruciating pain. Damn. Like, and I, I try and like, in, in the aftermath, like you, you make it seem like it wasn't as bad as it mm. was, but it, it was just like a singular moment of being like, this can't possibly last forever. Mm. And like, imagine like crying, running out of tears, and it's still being there. <sighs> Fuck. You know, and like you're not sleeping. There's no one position that you can be in to not feel it. And it just makes you like, it just makes you wonder like what pain is. Mm -hmm. You're like, what the, f what is this? Yeah. And you're like, I, I like the idea of like most of us, I, I like myself included, took for granted a healthy body. Yes. Like, took for granted that there were bones in my fingers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, like, I, I, I tried to imagine this really, like, neutral moment where maybe you feel a little, like, downdraft or, like, a, a, a low-pressure system and then how that can, like, quickly escalate. And I was trying to, like, encapsulate what it's like to go from... Um, what it was what it was like was occasionally it would, like, your brain would white noise the, the mm. pain... And then you'd move an inch mm. and it would just come back. And mm. it was a 10. It was just a, I mean, 
I couldn't, there was, there was no position. There was no place that my body existed in that didn't just involve like, um, it's the reason I wrote the poem is cause like, I didn't, I was like, there's gotta be some fucking, there's gotta be words to this. So that was in the moment that was well experiencing that pain. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus. Did after, what was that like? That that moment. I'm assuming after the surgery, it was gone. What was that first moment of no pain like? Um, so the first moment was like, holy shit, I still have a job. <laughs> like, because it was very clear that I ran a I ran a small business, mm. and I was the person doing everything. And if like I wasn't fixable, then the mm. business was done. So like the second I came out of the surgery, I was like, I think I'm okay. Yeah. And then like, it's unfortunately, it didn't a hundred, like there's recovery and you have like incisions to heal from. Yeah. But like you acclimate so quickly. To not having the pain anymore. To not having the pain anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Your brain is like, forget that as soon as possible. I, I swear there's like this like default setting where you're like, we don't need to remember that. Mm. Like it's not so much suppression as like, if we can just fucking delete that, we should. Yeah. God damn. Well, it's a great poem. I'm sorry that you had to go through that amount of pain to write it. But but like, can I tell you like, and I think you'll get this as a writer. I'm in like a 10 out of 10 writing this poem. Uh-huh. And, as I'm writing it, I'm like, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. We're fucking goblins about it, aren't we? <laughs> just, I don't know what it is. It's just like, ah, oh, there's something fucking flowing about this, you know? Oh, man. And I mean, for the most part, you're just in the moment and you're writing it. But like occasionally there's a lot of moments. Uh, you're like, ah, oh, I think I, this has something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. Um, I, oh, sorry. Oh, no, please. Yeah. I can't remember if this was on or off mic. It might have been on mic. You were, just kind of said that you love all kinds of writing, like anything. Um, yeah. Is there any specific projects or long form stuff you're working on or poetry collections, anything like that you're working on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just finished uh, a book of poetry on furniture making. Uh, completely cool. dedicated to furniture making, and I'm actually going to be performing it at uh, the Trident Cafe in, yeah. uh, in about a week and a half. Are you a carpenter? Uh, a furniture maker, furniture. but I actually just went out of business. Oh, damn. Yeah, I know. What happened? Uh, capitalism. Um, I yeah. Would, uh, it, the, you know, fortunately, uh, the last poem in the book <laughs> is me shutting down, which is like, really nice poetry Mm. to the whole thing. It's like a great way to wrap up the book, but it's also this like, uh, it's the end of a 13 year run of me just being pointed at this one target of wanting to run my own furniture design company. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. What's the, what's the next, what's next for you? I don't know, man. I have, I have absolutely no idea, but like, I feel like weightless. Like, I feel like when you build something, you carry around the thing you're building Mm. and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And like, 
I knew I couldn't leave. I knew that I couldn't wander because I, mm-hmm. I needed to build the next thing. I needed to keep this business going. Yeah. And as much as I love it, there is that aspect of I feel lighter now that I'm not hmm. like anchored to this thing. Hmm. And it, it sounds strange to be like that was my dream and part of it like not working out actually made me feel good. Mm. But um, yeah. There's a bit of a relief to it. That's interesting. Yeah. It sounds like some good fucking poetry is headed your way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was like uh, I, I thought I was done. I thought I was done with the book and then mm. it happened and we decided to close. Mm. And I was like, and I wrote this and I'm like, that's it. That's the finish. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it's cool. It's a, it's a different kind of poetry. Um, it's much more like it's pretty much all concrete language for the most part, meaning like I I want the poetry to, the poetry in it, I want to be like, you're hearing what's, you're hearing the actions, you're hearing like the nouns of the things that I'm describing and it's making you think something. It's making you feel something. There's a certain, um, there's a certain flow to it, but there's, there's not as much like, there's not as much like, there's not as no. much as, there's mm-hmm. not as much symbolism, there's not as much, um, it's in there, but sure. a, a lot of it is really, I really wanted to center it in the moment of the doing. And that's kind of the point of the the book itself is to acknowledge like the, uh, the contentment you can kind of feel in just doing something and fully embracing that moment. Mm. So I wanted the poetry to reflect that and not deviate so much into beautiful language. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if it meant sacrificing that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it sounds good. So is it ready to go? Like can people find it? uh, People can't find it. Uh, um, uh, A friend of mine who runs the Boulder poetry scene, Hmm. um, he he like puts out books and he asked if he could publish it. And uh, there's part of me that very much wants him to publish it. And mm. there's a part of me that's a control freak mm. that just wants to make the book. Mm. Um, but either way, it's either coming, it'll either be coming out like next year on his book cycle or I'll make it and sell it to whoever I, I can at yeah. any readings that I go to. Fuck yeah. That's, I can't wait, to, can't wait to get my hands on a copy. Yeah. Well. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm also writing a novel. Oh hell yeah. yeah! What's that? Well, do you want to talk about what it's about? Yeah, I love talking about? about it. I don't. I don't think talking about it like takes anything away from Fuck it. Fuck yeah! Okay, I, cool. I've been working on this thing for nine years. It's okay. just a. It's a passion project. Uh huh. Um, I I like it. It's like a a different thing. It's like you could write poetry, or you could write, or I could write this story. Mm. It's like going back to your favorite show and getting to write the next episode. Yeah. Um. It's a. It's about a a, a guy who's. Uh, he was my age when it started, started autobiographical and then deviates pretty quickly into something that is not that. Was it, were you intending it to be an autobiography? No, no. I just thought that'd be a good place to start. Yeah. You know, like all things start with I Mm. kind of, even if you like say you or she or they, like you're, it's your voice. Yeah. It's you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just wanted to be kind of, um, it, I, it's about this character named Marty and he's dealing with the very real and uh, very, like the very real idea that he's losing his mind. 
So uh, he decides to go on a run and into the forest where maybe it doesn't seem uh, as obvious mm. that he's losing his mind. Mm. But then, you know, things ensue. Yeah. And um, like, I, uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I, I hope that people, I hope that when people read it, they feel like they're writing it. Mm. Like, it's not very, um, I don't know how to put this. I hope it leans into poetry because that's what I like to do, but I don't think the language is very elevated. Mm. I think it's like, uh, like I think anyone could read it and like the get the point of it, get the feeling of it, get like what I'm trying to do, and I want the story to be the, the the profound outcome of it. I guess, like yeah. I'm in love with the story, which is completely yeah. written in my head, and okay. I just need to finish writing it. So that was I was going to ask. You said nine years. Yeah. Where are you in the process? Like percentage completed? Do you think? Um, 70% percent okay. completed. Okay. Like I'm at the end of act, maybe if there were acts to it, uh, I'm at the end of act two okay. and I just have like the third act, which okay. probably won't be as long. Yeah. But you know, you know what's going Oh yeah. Happen. Yeah. It's completely done. Cool. In my head, like I'm just like giddy at the idea of getting to write the next scene. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Like right, right now I'm writing about uh, a party scene mm-hmm. where like, uh, uh, this guy is just at a, an outdoor party in, in the desert and he's uh, gambling a personal object for another person's personal object that mm-hmm. they lost in this game of blackjack. Mm. And it's, uh, uh, it's like fun. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, it's fun to get to write what a party is. Yeah. And, and try and be genuine to it. And also like, I wanted to show that there could maybe be happiness and joy and all of these emotions, even when you're struggling with the idea of your own sanity. Damn. I love talking process. So can, can we talk a little bit? Like what, what does a day of writing look like for you? Sure. Or what, how, do you get, how do you sit down and actually write? Okay. Uh, um, I don't write every day. I okay. edit every day. Uh-huh. I edit every day. Um, I probably write three or four days a week. Cool. Um, I'll go to Trident, and for whatever reason, that's where I write. Uh, Trident. Trident Cafe. Uh, Cafe in Boulder. Okay, cool. And um, I sit outside on their porch, and uh, it's either with my computer when I type or I write freehand. So I'd say about 60% of the book has been re- written, like, just freehand. Whoa. And then I'll, and then I'll uh, what's it called? Type it up. Transcribe it oh, over. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, but... Uh, if I do write, I like make myself sit down for at least 45 minutes. I know okay. that doesn't sound like much, but like no one's got a deadline on me. Mm-hmm. I I want to write when I want to write and I want to write when I feel excited to write. Like mm. I don't want it ever to feel like homework. Maybe mm. this story in particular, I don't want it to feel like homework. Like I want to... I want to have fun with it so that there's an essence of like, I don't know, maybe when you're reading it, you pick up on the idea that like these words were written by somebody who is excited. Hell yeah. Yeah. That, that comes, that must come through. That has to come through in, in the, in the book. So you got the, po- uh, the furniture poetry collection yeah. and the book. Do they yeah. have titles? Uh, yeah. What yeah. Are the titles? Uh, the furniture poetry collection is called uh, An Edge Over Endgrain. Okay. So an edge is basically just like 
you know, if you've had a knife, uh, I use hand planes, which is basically like you put a knife into this uh, fixture that you hold and move across wood to create shavings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and end grain is like if you were to take a board of wood, uh, follow it all the way to the end and then look down, mm-hmm. you'd see like the rings yeah. or like if you were to look at a stump, you'd be looking at the end grain. Okay, yeah. So like an edge over end grain, yeah. which typically dulls the edge. Not typically, it does. Because that part is just like really hard? Or? Uh, yeah, it's vertical grain structure. So it's like constantly, mm. um, well, every passing of the edge over over the wood is dulling the edge. Sure. Um, end grain just typically does it faster. Gotcha. And gotcha. yeah, there's a certain metaphor to like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and, and then uh, there's a working title for the novel called uh, Forest Margins, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be called Marty. Okay. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, people people can check that out as they yeah, get completed yeah, and put I, out. And then you also have a band camp where, with yep. some music on it. Uh, I, have, I have a band camp with another book of poetry oh, called yeah. uh, Days Like Today. Cool. Um, and it was kind of like me dealing with, uh, I don't know, uh, some version of not like depression, but just, I don't know, I was, I was 27 and didn't know what I was doing and there would be days where I would just wake up and like, I was, I just didn't care. Mm. And like, I'm a writer. That sounds so pretentious. Nah, you Um, are, you are. But, uh, you know, so I write things and like in that moment I was writing and, um, yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I like it. Hell yeah. Uh, What's the, what's the band camp? How can people find it? Uh, it's just Dennis Mullahern. Um, it's just my name. Cool. Um, I'll link it. I'll find it and link it. And I'll link your Instagram as well so people can find you. And people can find you at the Mercury Cafe. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Trident Cafe in Boulder too. And then I I do my weekly poetry reading. I have like two weekly poetry readings and then like a couple bi-monthlies. Nice, nice. Um, uh, Is that like the So You're a Poet? on uh in boulder on like Folsom street fuck yeah yeah okay thanks for being on the show yeah of course man i really appreciate it bye everybody bye